Tennessee Titans talk. There's five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Titans, Texans, and we're going to win this game, it looks like, up by two touchdowns. Guys, this is no offense to Malik Willis. Of course, we all found out that Ryan Tannehill wasn't going to play for sure. We didn't need any quarterback, honestly, would have won this game for us unless they made a lot of mistakes. We knew this would be a Derrick Henry game, and it certainly was. Looks like he's done for the afternoon. About 219 rushing yards. Another vintage Derrick Henry game. Yeah, we legitimately could have thrown zero passes and wouldn't have mattered. Like the last drive we had that mattered, we started our own 10-yard line. Henry had three straight 10-yard carries and Hilliard had a 10. Then Henry came back in. We ran it 10 times 80 yards. And then we tried to throw with Willis and it fizzled out. It's just pathetic. Like the game has never been in doubt. And Henry, who has struggled to find open space all year, is just sleepwalking to yardage. I mean... The only reason he's not getting 250 plus yards is because we just took our foot off the gas in these last eight minutes. Big Phillip, the Texans are most certainly the worst team in the NFL, right? Without a doubt. There are times where our, where our offense looks inept, like we don't belong in the league, but the Texans, oh my. That offense. <sighs> no, not, not even that offense. That defensive front. Nathan was gone for a little bit. I was telling Big Fella, there was one play where Dennis Daly, who is the worst offensive lineman in the NFL, opened up a 20-yard gaping hole for Derrick Henry to run through. Dennis Daly and Aaron Brewer have not made a bad play all day, and it's not because they suddenly started to play good. It's because Houston is just so bad that an offensive line that is arguably the worst in the league that has struggled all year is rolling over them in their sleep. Well, I think if you look at the box scores for the Texans throughout the season so far— You'd be misled because Damian Pierce is a good young player. It's just we have a better run defense than anybody they've played so far Mm -hmm. and told him to sit down. Jeffrey Simmons certainly looked like one one of the best players in the NFL today. Without a doubt. He ended up with, or two tackles for loss, one sack. So not huge on the stat sheet, but... Man, the way there was one play where he didn't even make a tackle. He bulldozed one of their offensive line into into the running back, and yeah, he threw a lineman into Pierce and tripped up Pierce for loss. And so for Houston's offense, we're saying this with three minutes thirty seconds left. They've run forty one plays for seventy three yards. They're under. They're at like. 1.6 1.6 yards per play, which is just unfathomably bad. Like that last drive, we just ran and ran and ran. And it's like they already just gave up. They're like, oh, well, we're just getting paid to suck this year, so whatever. And I'll tell you what. We've seen Lovey Smith. We've known him for a billion years, and he's always been like, I guess, maybe that player-friendly coach. Today, he looks like a ghost on the sidelines. I'm not talking about his all-white outfit and very gray beard, but he just lifeless. I mean, he, he knows... This team is underperforming in every aspect of it. We're just oh, they're outmanned more than they're yeah. underperforming. Like, what can he do? He's the coolest looking coach in the NFL. I just like the whole bit. Like, he's a fit older guy. He's got the white beard. What could he possibly do? You don't scheme that they are. It makes me feel better because they're going to have a top five pick, probably the first pick, and they're going to have a top ten pick maybe from their trade with the Browns. It makes me feel better about them having a lot of draft capital over the next few years because they have such a long way to go. We have holes. They have valleys. I mean, you could replace their whole offensive line, their whole defense, quarterback, obviously in contention for their pick, receiver. I mean, they, you know, and we've talked about them all week. I mean, they could be sellers at Tuesday's trade deadline with Brandon Cooks and Jerry Hughes and a couple other guys they can probably sell. Maybe OJ Howard. I don't know. It's not looking good for 
for the Texans. When we talk about the dark years before Mario de Malarkey helped set the foundation and then... It's reminiscent yeah. of that. I'm glad you mentioned that. Oh, it's even worse because they don't have anyone that's as good as Delaney Walker or Casey or Jason McCourty. It's like, true. Jerry Hughes is there... Casey and he's 34 years old and he's here on a and he's a rental yeah <laughs> yeah so he's not he's a, by yeah. far their best defensive player they have some young talents in theory like Stingley was a high pick Petrie was a high pick Kenyon Green got drafted but it's like they've been invisible because they have no one in the defensive front so we haven't even had to try and throw and Willis has looked really bad but it doesn't even matter he's thrown 10 times for 55 yards he looked he looked like he was calm the headlights he had no idea what he was doing it seems almost impossible for NFL team to be so bad and have so little on their roster to be hopeful for because the other bad teams this year like Chicago has an amazing run game on offense and they try on defense and they had their whole draft last year and those guys but I think they're just so far away yeah there have been some Davis Mills truthers uh I, I wouldn't no. think there's any more after this right he's not yeah. an NFL quarterback no this showed it I mean in our secondary is a really weak matchup that he should have been able to exploit, but our defense stayed after him the whole uh, defensive line. We just watched him get trashed by Demarcus Walker, and I mean, he just hasn't had time, and he has not looked comfortable. Even as uncomfortable as Malik looked back there, I guess right now I'd rather have Malik than Davis Mills. Yeah, I was a Mills truther after last year, especially when he ended the year hot against us and carved us up. He played well despite having nothing around him and a rookie quarterback you think he progresses, but he's just regressed so badly and there's just there's nothing there. Because they're not pushing the ball down the field. They're not trying to make big plays. Like I can't think of a single play they've run on offense through Mills at all all day. Like they haven't done anything and he hasn't done anything. The past two and a half hours have just been like a giant dream like we're sleepwalking through a game because it was never in doubt the only reason they scored points was because willis threw an interception because cody hollister has to be the softest player in the nfl yeah we hate to call out guys in particular but when you when they slowed that down and he just basically crumpled like a piece of paper that was you just don't see that in the nfl a lot willis doesn't throw an interception that gets returned to the 15 yard line in the red zone they have zero points. I really hope this... Uh, well, I guess Hollister, he's probably been active enough that he's a permanent fixture on the roster, but I... I oh, he's been on the 53-man this whole time, and I I ask this every week. Why is he on the roster? Is because he's familiar with the scheme or anything? But he does nothing on the field that I just don't understand it, because surely you could find someone on a practice squad that does something. Like, he doesn't block. He's not explosive. He's nothing as a receiver. Like, why is he on the field? And I get... We have three receivers on IR, so someone has to be here. But surely there is someone other than Cody Hollister that can do something. Because he has some upside for the future or something. Yeah. Yeah, because if you you can't even say, well, he's a really good blocker. So, like when Nick Westbrook was a rookie and he was playing and he wasn't a good receiver at all, you could at least say, well, he's a good blocker, and there's some value in that. And with he this, has gotten better. And with this, it's like Hollister at best is out of the play. At worst, he's blowing a block because we'll line him up inside like we did Corey Davis or A.J. Brown. And like we said, he's a wimp. He's not going to block anybody, and he's giving up penetration. So I just don't understand how... And we were talking about this before the slate of games (laughs) happened. You think about all the good receivers coming out and all of these exciting options. How is it that we just have absolutely nothing? Even if we were fully healthy, there's just 
nothing on this roster other than Burks and maybe McMath. McMath and McMath is purely uh he's really fast. Maybe he's something. Lynn, I don't want you to mention AJ Brown again. Don't do it. Yeah, of course we were watching the early games. It's really difficult to watch AJ Brown have three touchdowns in one game. I think they should block out those those games. It's going to be tougher and tougher as long as he stays healthy and he's on the best team in the NFL. It's just. It literally is hard to watch. Nathan, I don't want you to mention A.J. Brown again. That's it. It's over. <laughs> so let's talk about the guys that did play for us and play well. Obviously, I'll start first, and you guys name player of the game. You can't mention who I did, but I'll start with Derek Henry, of course. has his sixth 200-yard uh, rushing game. Uh, he has owned the Texans throughout his career. Uh, these are the kind of games that are going to pump up, which one of these days we'll have a long discussion about his Hall of Fame credentials. I think some of our fan base assume that he'll be in the Hall of Fame, but you can't make that assumption. There's a lot of really good running backs that aren't. It's just harder to get in from that position because there's so many guys with stats. Because of his injury, and he was a part-time player for two years, but we'll talk about that another time. Sixth 200-yard rushing game. He joins the Jews, OJ Simpson, and Adrian Peterson as the only guys who ever do that another secondary stat that is going to help him down the road he extended his nfl record for games with 200 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns the record used to be three and it was like jim brown ladanian tomlinson and oj simpson he tied that in 2020 by himself he had three games in 2020 alone today is his six so he's doubled the old record and we don't want to get too much into the hall of fame talk but when you're doubling these kind of records that are about peak not like seasons with so many stats but just the peak of for a big game there are very few running backs in NFL history that you can say were better than Henry as far as a single game goes when he broke the record for our franchise today he scored his 75th rushing touchdown which broke Eddie George and Earl Campbell at 74 he's now the sole owner of that record for our entire franchise which is like Nathan was saying about it about his 200 yard career games it's going to help him in the future when we're talking Hall of Fame and I mean he's just unreal and another thing just because we're all biased and we love Henry we're talking about some other short-lived running backs like Priest Holmes and Sean Alexander and I pointed out they had they both had two Hall of Fame offensive linemen in their prime Derrick Henry's best offensive lineman when he's been healthy has been Ben Jones, who is one of the more underrated linemen of his generation, probably just because he's been so durable and consistent. Saffold is best with us. Would well, be that too. maybe Saffold at his absolute peak, but he was starting to regress a little in dinner. Certainly. Yeah. But Ben Jones has been the most consistent, most solid. But it's like Ben Jones and Roger Saffold versus Walter Jones and Steve Hutchinson for Sean Alexander. Yeah. Or Willie Rofe and Will Shields for Priest Holmes. It's like all these other guys that were short-lived and had awesome peaks. They had awesome offensive lines. If Derrick Henry had two Hall of Fame linemen in front of him, he would have already rewrote some records. I want to mention there that Hutchinson was a Titan for... One, two years, maybe? Yeah, I remember that. At the end of his career. Brief. Our friend David is watching the game with us today. The Texans have not looked good. Vegas underestimated, and they don't underestimate it. They underestimated how bad this Texans team is overall. Does this give you hope for us against the Chiefs to go up there next Sunday? Or is this, we just played a really bad team? We haven't beat a good team yet. Do you chalk this up to, we played a bad team? Or does this give you any hope for Sunday? I think we played a bad team, but it does give me hope for Sunday. Our defense looked good. Jeffrey Simmons had a sack. Christian Fulton had an interception. So I think our defense played the best game of the year. We came in as an underdog to the Texans. Vegas moved the line three and a half points in favor of the Texans. So when the uh, game dropped, it was Houston Texans minus one. I think we looked really good, and I think it gives us some hope going into the game. I know we didn't have Tannehill, so it put a little stress on our defense, but I think they came through, and I think we can uh, suit up and give the Chiefs a run. 
Yeah, I think anything could happen. I know that we haven't seen, we haven't beat a good team yet, and we're about to get our fifth victory. You never know. And even if we do go up there and lay a big egg Sunday, we've got a bit of a cushion in this division. I know it's weird to talk about cushion this early, but you talk about Vegas, like we did exceed expectations. Yes, this is a bad team, but our pass rush has looked really good. And there are good things to take away from this game, even with a bad opponent. I want you two guys, player of the game, and then your thoughts about about Sunday. Well, I'll go thoughts about Sunday first, because I think, like we're all talking about, this is the first game, the first win of the season that we all feel really good about. I mean, we were clearly the better team on the field today, and there aren't, you know, well, you can't say that about all of our wins so far. So I think that feels really good, and I think it does give us a leg up on the Chiefs. Winning five straight, I mean, a lot of teams don't get the opportunity to do that, and uh, we just let a garbage touchdown in. It's a shame for anybody starting the Titans defense like me um, in fantasy. But back to what I was saying, you know, we feel I think we feel really good winning five straight heading into Kansas City on a primetime game. We always get up for primetime games, and that's kind of where we're going to have to hang our hat and hope for it and like Nathan said, the defense has gotten a lot better. Mostly credit to Big Jeff and Bud Dupree. I almost said Jermaine Dupree. That'd be weird. Bud Dupree. My player of the game today would be Bud Dupree. He doesn't show up a ton in the stat sheets, but he had two tackles, one sack, one tackle for loss. A quarterback hit today. You can feel his presence on the field. Unlike the games where he wasn't active, we had constant pressure on Davis Mills, which led to this dumpster of a game. So definitely, I think Bud Dupree deserves a lot of kudos. I would say my player of the game is Nick Casario or whoever their GM that they just fired for building (laughs) such an awful roster. Because, I mean, we ran for 300 yards on seven yards of carry, and it wasn't like we had three seven-yard touchdowns to boost it. We were just getting five to 15 yards every single time. And like we said, our offensive line sucks, and we looked really good. I think today is more just... Houston is just so bad, but it is in a way, I think a bit of a building block. It's good to have confidence because we've talked about how we haven't had a single win that feels inspiring. And today, even though it goes down as we only win by seven, we still dominated them end to end. We still ran for 300 yards. Henry still set another milestone and set a new record with four straight 200-yard games against the same opponents. He boosted his stats. He boosted his confidence. That's good going to Kansas City. I still think they're going to blow us out, but there's such little expectations for me expecting us to get blown out just because they've looked so explosive all year. And our defense, I mean, they've had some good games, but they're just not built to stop Kansas City right now. But as long as we show heart and we at least show up compared to Buffalo, that's good enough for me. Because we've gone undefeated in the division. We've established that we're still a really good running team. Henry is finding his groove. I mean, yes, would beating one of the NFL's top three teams be awesome for our long-term outlook and just our expectations on the year? Yes. But the thing is, what's more important is just getting to the playoffs where anything can happen. Because as it stands right now, we're going to win this division. Jacksonville lost their sixth straight game. We just swept Indy. Houston sucks. <laughs> it would have to take a plane crash for us not to win this division and host a, a playoff game. <laughs> Whichever team is the five seed and comes here, will they be a good team? Will they be an unstoppable team? No. Buffalo and Kansas City are the only unstoppable teams. They're going to win their own division, so we don't have to worry about them. Hey, I want to remind you that Indy beat Kansas City this year. So what was that? Kidnapping? How any that given happen? Sunday... You know, you either win or you lose. And I'd land into your point about Buffalo. Kansas City is not Buffalo on defense, so I feel a little bit better about that. You talk a big game, but David, we have 
the opportunity to go to that game, and neither one of these guys will go to Kansas City. I've got a prior commitment. I don't believe that. So we're going to Jacksonville. I am a college. I'm a junior college student with full workload on my plate, and I don't want to have to drive or fly back to Nashville after after we probably get our teeth kicked in. So when Landon was in high school, I took him up to Indianapolis after we won two big games, and we're going to go to Indianapolis, and we get beat by three touchdowns. We had a long drive back to Indianapolis. Ever since then, he doesn't want to go to a road game. And just sitting in that crowd of Arrowhead fans and them cheering as they score like 35 on us would just be so frustrating, and I'm sure it would be a fun experience to go to. I just... Hey, I've just got better uses of my time. We have had their number the last it's quite true. a few times we played them in in Nashville. Yeah, not even there. We beat them there when uh, Andy Reid iced. That was up. Alex Smith, though. I've heard the whole place literally not a joke. Like the whole parking lot, the whole area smells like barbecue. That's how good they do on the. That's why so. Andy Reid went there. Yeah, that's why I would go there. Me and Andy Reid have similar interests. So of course we've been watching football all weekend. We love these afternoon road games because we have to watch Red Zone. For, you know, three hours. We had a pretty good slate, I think, this morning with some entertaining games. Uh, that Miami-Detroit game was basically like like a Madden game. It was super, super fun. Also, yesterday, uh, Tennessee, I saw Kentucky as a trap game. I'm scared of Tennessee's success, but they just keep building and building on that. They took not a great team, but a pretty good team. Absolutely worked them last night. Anything else jump out for y'all from the weekend? I would say that Ohio State, when they played their first real opponent, looked very vulnerable. And then they just flicked a switch. Also, Penn State might have crumbled some, and they just put the game away in an instant. But this year, we've seen, and it's encouraging that no team is unbeatable. In the past, it's like Alabama is a juggernaut. You just have to hope someone somehow beats them in the playoff, or Clemson, or LSU. And a lot of times, that doesn't happen. This year, there isn't that team. Ohio State, Penn State is a good team, and it's a rivalry game. It was at Penn State, so that's not an easy matchup, but they're going to have to play Michigan and what will probably be a game of two unranked teams. That could be like number one versus number two. They're going to have to play the Big Ten Championship game. They're going to have to play two playoff games. They have looked really good. They are not unbeatable. Alabama, this is on the low end of Alabama teams that we have seen because they have already lost a game. They had two more games where if if Texas's quarterback doesn't get hurt in the first quarter... They lose. If Texas A&M doesn't call the worst play call ever, they might lose. They're not scary. They're scary because they're Alabama and they can beat anyone, but they're no longer uh, the heavens have to align for us to beat them. So David is a Louisiana native and an LSU fan. Daniels has looked more comfortable. Kelly, it looks more like a Kelly team. I follow Notre Dame. In all honesty, like, what is an LSU fan's feeling going into that game Saturday? Sheer dread. No, I think we do have a chance. Jaden Daniels has finally been stepping up in the pocket and throwing it. We've got a young offensive line. We got Will Campbell, left tackle. He's a true freshman. I don't think Alabama's defense is what it was. If you saw the Tennessee game, you saw how Hendon Hooker was able to pick them apart, allow the most points in Alabama under Nick Saban. We're getting 12 at home, which I think is a high number. I'm going to take LSU there. And I think we cover the spread. I don't know if we win the game, but I think we're going to keep it close. Like they were saying, I don't think Alabama's unbeatable. They do have Auburn, which is anybody's game at the end of the year. They're probably going to have a fired coach by then. So I could see Alabama struggling with LSU and Auburn toward the end of the year. I do think we have a chance this week. And that leads into this week in which, if you're following us, you follow football, you're probably a Tennessee fan, you know what this is. It's Tennessee at Georgia. It's number one at number two. This is the biggest game, or tied for the biggest game, in Tennessee football in the past decade, at least. Oh, yeah, for sure. The Alabama game... You can say there is more emotion, there is more rivalry. It means more on a personal level to beat Alabama. But 
at this point, Tennessee is for real. This is a game where if they go into Georgia and beat them, and they have looked vulnerable this year, their defense is no longer an all-time great team like they were last year. They are beatable on some levels. If they win this game, they are undisputedly this year the best team in college football. Or They will have to play Alabama again in the SEC championship game. They'll have to play probably two more good teams in the playoffs. But just to think about where this program has been the past couple of years, and even last year, and just where it's at now where instead of, oh, hopefully they're like a frisky top 15 team, they'll lose to Georgia and Alabama, but they'll win the other games. Now that we're at the point where if they beat Georgia, unless they have some random upset games and then they lose the SEC championship game, they beat Georgia. They are pretty much locked into the playoffs already because you beat Georgia in, at Georgia. You beat Alabama. You beat Florida and LSU and even Pittsburgh, who's been all, who's been okay. Yeah. You have that resume. It doesn't matter if you lose the SEC championship again. You beat two top five teams. You're not missing the playoffs. I think that's the way a lot of Tennessee fans look at it if they really think about it. It's like if they lose this game, there's still scenarios where they can get in and not have to play in the SEC championship game and all that and still be the fourth team in. If they win, it'll be weird. They'll go from losing the Music City Bowl in a track meet to being the favorite. Yeah. They go from... That is wild to do that in about nine months. They go from the fun, scrappy underdog that everyone is rooting for because they're playing bigger teams that have been stepping on the throat of the rest of college football to almost 2019 LSU, except they're, they don't have that defensive personnel to where they're no longer the fun team that's rising through the ranks. It's they're the team to beat. And now you start to get worried about playing them. Without a doubt. I mean, I'm, I'm probably one of the newest UT fans. I'm a bandwagoner for sure. But yeah, I mean, they're impressive and fun to watch. And, you know, I hope they go all the way because it'd be awesome. Well, that's it for Tennessee Titans Talk. We'll be back with you, of course, midweek. We'll get you ready for the Chiefs. Appreciate you being with us. Follow us. Teach somebody how to use our to use the podcast. Find us, rate us. And we just really appreciate you being with us. Another win in the books. We'll see you guys midweek. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up. Boom.